happy December, everybody. I'm Sheree. And I'm Han. And you're listening to the final episode from season one of It Just Got Real. That sounds so grown up. Like, season one. Like, like it's a seat. That means there's going to be a season two. There's going to be a season two. We're going to be back after we take a short break. We are going to be back in your ears in 2021 with season two. But we won't be back exactly the same. Han, you probably have the realest moment of the show (laughs) ever. And it's gotten real, real. And it's the finale. It's apropos. How was your weekend? So this week, my company got acquired. Can we just say that one more time for the people in the back? This week, my company got acquired. We closed the deal on Monday and we made the announcement on Thursday and... Visco has acquired Trash, and we are going to be building our technology into the app in the future in some way. We'll be bringing the magic of our AI editing to what they do, and I'm going to be leading product, and the team is super excited, and it's going to be great. I'm thrilled. I'm really, really happy about this. So I know some of you guys listening are people that are founders, particularly in the tech space. But even if you're not, just know that like getting an exit period, whether your company gets sold on Wall Street or it gets acquired by, like it is the holy grail of doing this thing. Like it is the thing you hope for in every meeting that you build something that either goes to, to the stock exchange or somebody else thinks is valuable enough to bring into what they're building. I remember this moment when I had first started and I realized it like dawned on me like shortly after I incorporated like the only two things that can happen are you get acquired or you IPO. That's it. Those are the options. (laughs) That's it. Those are the options. That's what you're making. And like, of course, you know that like theoretically, I just remember that feeling being very real when I realized how how much I had to do. And that was three years ago. It was like our company's birthday yesterday. Like oh my yesterday, God. December 6th. That's when I signed the incorporation paperwork three years ago. Mm-hmm. So crazy timing, right? That's great. Well, that's also wicked fast to get acquired. Yeah. Like that's really like kind of lightning speed to be able to build something that has so much value that you're able to like attract a company like Visco that is personally one of my favorite applications. And I love Joel, the founder. I had a chance to meet him once at this first round thing. And he was like the most interesting person there, to be honest. Um, <laughs> that's a story for maybe season two. But you're so chill about this. And I, I need to under, well, one, I had a front row seat to how you felt through the process. But I was not chill. There were days when I was not chill. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, can you, I know you can't share a lot of it, but like, tell us a little bit about like, one, when you knew it was going to happen, what was going through your mind? It's a lot of different emotions and it's bittersweet, of course, because you're not the founder of your own company anymore. You have like a new boss a very cool new boss. Joel is very cool, but it is bittersweet. And there's a lot of different waves of emotion 
But I'd say for the most part, it's just, and of course, excitement, you know, like thrill. But a, a lot of it, like behind the scenes is actually just a really a lot of hard work Mm. like a lot of hard work and there was this one point in the middle of it where I was just like fuck this is so much like M&A is so hard and the hours are so grueling and especially for a really fast timeline like what we did it on it was like five weeks or something Mm -hmm. like that is a really fast time Mm -hmm. to turn around a merger But that's also how I think a lot of these things happen in tech is, you know, like a company is interested and then like you have to do it fast. And of course, speed is important. And in in this case, too, you know, the holidays are about to happen. So we really didn't have any choice. It was just like we need to get this done before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And those hours, those hours are really, really grueling. Like the last probably since June, I've been working like 14 hour days with no weekends. Yeah, you have. Because even when we were in Mexico, you were working on this. Like you were yeah. like, let's be clear. We may have been in Mexico and you guys might have got a couple palm tree shots on Twitter or Instagram. But the reality was <laughs> there was lots of like, hand, you have to come outside to eat moments because she was <laughs> doing this thing. So she didn't like stop doing it to go to Mexico. She just chose to do it from a different location. And I think. Mm-hmm. It just says so much about you. Like the way you shepherded this whole thing through. And I think for people that like, even I was like, damn, like I was definitely in awe of your ability to day in and day out do this work that you had never done before, but that you were just sinking your teeth into because this is the biggest moment of your company's life outside of when you started it. You know, like you start something, you launch Thank it, you. people like like it, they use it. And there were a lot of things you talked about that I think it's important for people to understand. Cause like, it's not like someone wants to acquire a company and then like magic, it happens. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite a lot of work in the, in the middle part there. <laughs> and a lot of work that you've never done before in your life, like, you're learning everything on the fly and you're probably learning it from some very expensive lawyers. <laughs> you have to listen really carefully, not mess it up. <laughs> so what, like, like, how did you pull that out of yourself? I think like I haven't fully processed all of this yet because it's so fresh and I've been working so much that I haven't, I haven't had the time to process mm-hmm. But I'd say there's like two big things that really jump out. The first one is around optionality. Like that is so important for founders and for for leaders in general, just to create lots of optionality for your company. There were just a lot of things that I did leading up to this, like a lot of meetings, a lot of networking, a lot of talking to executives at different companies. And that ended up being really, really, really important because when this happened and we had, we actually had a bunch of people come out of the woodwork and be pretty interested. All of a sudden I was running a parallel process of fundraising and a potential acquisition at the same time, which Mm. is hell. Mm. (laughs) Because either one of those separately is hell. So you just like, yeah. So then you put them together and it's like, it's hell. (laughs) But, 
But it was really, really important to keep them both going up until almost like the very last second. Like it wasn't even really until like halfway through the process of after we'd signed the initial agreement that I was like, okay, this is going to happen. I can count on this. Because I'm also, I'm just very much like nothing is done until it's done kind of person. Mm -hmm. Almost to a fault. I think my team was like sick of hearing me saying that at the end. (laughs) I think they were also sick of hearing me say like, it's confidential. Because I'm also like, I think I'm like a little bit traumatized from having worked at Twitter where there's such a leaky boat about all of their news. And so I was like, nobody can talk about this. And I was really, I was really happy with how flawlessly we pulled off all of the comms on it. I thought the announcement was great and everybody kept their lips zipped until the very last minute. And that was a lot of ensuring that stuff. But getting back to the optionality thing, nothing is done until it's done. And the reality of going through something like this is that you're managing probably your bank account down to like your last dollars, maybe, maybe not, but probably because you have to stop doing other things to some degree to work on this thing and it costs money. And so there's a certain point where it's like, okay, well, this is a point of no return. <laughs> we have to just go forward that yeah. this is better work. But up until that point, it's you still have to create that optionality and like still be having a lot of different conversations and, and making sure that you have different ways out because of course deals die all the time. Like that's yeah. such a classic story. And I was and everybody, both parties, I think, are nervous about it when you're doing a deal, both like the acquirer and the company that is getting sold. Yeah. Um That was one big thing. Like, well, here's a little story. So I met Joel through um, now a friend, Alex Heath, who's a reporter at The Information. And I'm pretty sure that it was our investor, Alexia, who told me that I should go meet Alex Heath in the first place. And it was like one fall evening in New York. Met Alex Heath on the roof of like Joe Marchese's house. It was like this information party in Soho. And it was just one of those days where, like, it had been a whole last day in New York. A bunch of shit had happened. I'd been running around all day, doing the meetings, doing the things. And, like, the last thing that I wanted to do was, like, go to some party with a bunch of media people and network. (laughs) Got it. And I remember being on the train and thinking, I could just stay on this train and it will take me home. Or I will get off at this stop on Canal Street and I will walk to the party. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And went to the party, ended up meeting Alex Heath, of course, had fun. And if I hadn't done that, maybe none of this would have ever happened. Wow. You really never know when it's going to become maybe the most important thing in your life. Hmm. You just hit me with like a ton of bricks right there. And then I think another big thing that kind of hit me partway through this, and Karina, our chief of staff, who's incredible, like also called me partway through the process to be like, you're doing a really good job of this, Hannah. And I was like, oh, really? You think so? And she was like, yeah, you really are. And I was like, oh, thank God. You know, I'm always worried that I'm not doing a good enough job. And like, this is a lot of things to keep straight. We have like a legal work stream and a comms work stream and a product transition work stream and there's these contracts and I've got music licensing and there's the, of course, HR and the team roles and what's happening next. Like all of a sudden there's like 
there was 10 work streams I mapped out at the beginning of this. And I was like, okay, seven of these are mine. <laughs> I need to not fuck these up. And they all need to happen in parallel. And also a lot of this stuff is like kind of outside of my comfort zone. Like my comfort zone is like product and design and working on building things. That's what I like doing. That's what I'm really good at. Like towards the end of it, I was like freestyling my own paragraphs of legal a few times, yeah. like running them by other people. Like, hey, can you check this? contract. Can you check this? Oh, I don't know if I should send this out. Um, no, it wasn't. I make it sound worse than it is. But like you do, it is a lot of reading legal documents and checking things over really carefully. And you you need to have a lot of eyes on like a document like the waterfall, make sure like a lot of people are looking at it because it's just easy to make mistakes. There's a lot of opportunity for human error and stuff happens. Everybody's moving fast. Everybody's a bit sleep deprived. Our, our lawyers are amazing. Shout out to Gunderson, but also like, I know they were working hella long hours. So there's this point where you just kind of realize it is on you to get this over the line. It's not going to just happen. It's not going to fall in your lap. Nobody else is going to do it. Like when it's late and there's nobody else to pick up the pieces and there's like one more document that you have to read through and check and you just feel like you can't look at another paragraph. It's like, it's you, you have to do that. You have to like pull that strength out of yourself and stay up and finish it. And it's a lot of very detailed work too. And so it's that kind of work that I personally don't find to be very energizing. Mm. Like that's not that's not my zone. Like being in a spreadsheet all day is not really my zone. Yeah. <laughs> so it really stretched me personally. It was very hard some days to like find the energy to do it. But there was just this moment where I realized like you just have to and nobody else is going to at this point. Like you are the one. Everybody is relying on you to get this thing done yeah. kind of on your team. Like you're the one, you're the one that's really going to carry it over the line as the CEO. That is like literally your job. And up until that point, I'd always thought, oh, the CEO has like three jobs. It's like, you got to like hire the best people, provide the vision for the company and not run out of money. And I guess being acquired kind of falls into that last category to some degree, yeah. but it's different. It's like, okay, now you have a fourth job. <laughs> it's really your job. <laughs> it's really all on you. But you did it. Yeah. Like I'm listening to you right now and you're all like reflective tone. And I'm just like, bitch, you just sold your company. Like, like yeah, it's just intense. It's an intense process closing a deal. And um, it's an intense process going through the announcement too. Like it's cool. It's amazing. It was so heartwarming. And I definitely want to say thank you to all of those amazing, beautiful people that showed up and said congratulations and had so many nice things to say about what we've built and what a perfect combo this is, is because I really believe it too. It is. It totally is. But it is also, that's also like a lot to manage. Like I remember that Thursday I was like, had all my comms written out in advance, of course. All of my posts were in one document ready to go up. But it was still a lot of stuff to manage. You're responding to things all throughout the day and, like, trying to, you know, run interference on Twitter and, like, heart things. And then it was, like, the very end of the day, and I was like, I feel like I cannot do another announcement post. And I was like, oh, God, I still have to do Instagram. That's the last one left in the document. <laughs> I'm tripping because I just went to your LinkedIn and... That was a moment for me just now, just seeing director it's of product all updated. at Disco. Yeah, it's all updated. Wow. And I was so happy to have that photo from you that I was able to use on Instagram because I was like, oh, God, I need some content. Like, I have no pictures of myself right now. I look like 
I, you know, I've just been in a work cave and I had this one awesome photo of one of those days where you pried me away from my computer. And we literally pried me away. (laughs) And you're like, this is what's happening. I'm taking you on a boat for a whole Saturday. And I was like, (laughs) "Ah, I can't do this. I don't have time. And you were like, this is what's happening. And you kind of tricked me into it. You were like, oh, it's just going to be a few hours. And it was a whole last day. It was a whole last day. It was a whole last day. And then my dog peed in my bed because he was really sad that I had been away all day. And yeah, I remember... Well, I, for one, my friend, am so proud of you. And I've been telling you this the whole time, but this is a pretty fucking epic way to end our, we're not ending the show right now, guys. Just don't, you know, don't, don't, don't turn off your podcast. Don't go, don't go. We'll be back. (laughs) And it's been so dope to be able to do this show together this year of all the damn years to like do this and this be the next part of your journey. It is flipping incredible. It's a pretty rare thing. Like, actually, that was another moment where I went out. I was having this walk and I was like, you know, this is this is really hard. And I was kind of giving myself one of those like talking to kind of come on, honey, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, look, this is a once in a lifetime thing. Mm -hmm. That's why this is so hard. Yeah. Because this probably only happens to you once in your life. So you better not fuck this up. (laughs) And you didn't. Like maybe people sell companies two times or maybe three, but I feel like it's not, it's pretty. If you ever do it. If, yeah. Like if you ever do it. Quite hard. Especially in a pandemic. (laughs) To top it all off, which is maybe a good segue to this year, like so many record scratches, one after the the other. The whole year is a record scratch. I feel like in, in the sequence of years, 2020 like is the other the day scratch. I was talking to my friend and I was like oh remember you know like when the air was really bad and you like couldn't breathe every day and he was like oh my god right the forest fires he was like there was so much that happened this year that was only like three months ago and I was like yes and it's we're still <laughs> we've had a whole ass election in between we still have three weeks to go like we're still I here know. it's moving fast though so let's let's talk about some of the biggest ones Definitely the biggest record scratch that kicked off this year for sure was Kobe. Yeah. So sad. It feels like it was 10 years ago. Like that's how much But that was like the big but that was like the beginning of the year. It was in January. Yep. We had just settled in. I think I just got back to America. One of the greatest basketball players of all time. Super young. Mm -hmm. So much ahead of him. And then right after that. Like, no time to recover. It's the Rona. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild to me because I definitely thought, I never was in team, this is going to be like two or three weeks. But I was definitely thinking by the summer, we'll be good. Mm. I was definitely in the like. I was on team, like, this will probably be a year. Mm. But I'm now like, oh, this is going to be like two years. <laughs> it's funny, I was looking at the vaccination stuff the other day and, now the new question to ask people is like, are you going to take the vaccine? Even that is like, there's like 88 million people deemed essential that need to get it before like anybody else. And so I'm like, that option is maybe 2021 Q3. Oh, that option, like, you don't even need to think about whether you want to take it or not until, I don't know, maybe next summer? Literally. At the earliest? But it, it just, I mean, it's... Even talking about it, sometimes I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. In my lifetime, 
something happened that affected the entire planet at the same time. And it's still going. It's like, hmm. we're all still these minuscule specks, still trying to figure it out. I think listening to you talk about this acquisition, thinking about the space I've been in for the past six episodes, thinking about life still going on, even as we feel stuck, you know, that's like a, an interesting sort of thing. Like companies are still getting acquired. And making sense of this. I mean, that was like the beginning of this show was you making sense of your company in this new world of coronavirus. It's interesting, like just like going through this list. I mean, going down to the next thing. I mean, honestly, like Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, everything that happened this summer where it feels like the world finally realized that Black people exist and are hurting. That was a pivotal moment. And, like, going outside to shout about it and, like, do something about it in the middle of a pandemic also. It's funny because even that has come with so much. I was looking at uh, my friend Camila is an artist, and she posted something on her page, The Revolution Will Be Marketed. And it really hmm. struck me because we we have gotten into this like marketable revolution space, which on one hand, it's like, I get there's like, keep the energy going, take advantage of the moment, you know, for black owned businesses. It's like, get the checks, all the things you've been trying to get. Like, I get that. But there is a much deeper feeling that I remember from the summer that I am worried that we're missing, especially those of us that are coming from a place of privilege. I think one of the most agonizing things for me right now is as a Black woman who's been able to raise money, like the pressure to get it right. And I realized that like for the past few months, I've felt so guilty for not having figured it out, mm -hmm. which is a really weird reaction and something that I'm like, fuck this, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm gonna get this shit together because I have something that I want in the world and I need to fucking build it. And, and being in my, being my feels is not gonna fucking get me there. But thinking about this summer and thinking about what people were fighting for and are fighting for, I remember saying this summer, like if it took for the whole world to feel what, danger for your life feels like and to have to sit still for this moment to happen, then like I'd do another COVID if I needed to, you know, like I would do another. That's real. It's, um, it's like a question I find myself asking myself in many, many, many ways. Like when you get the thing, what are you going to do with it? There's so much work to be done still. What else we got on our 2020 list? Skipping ahead to the next one, I don't want to like gloss over the environment here for a second because that happened in between. Yep. Like all of California and the Pacific Northwest was burning up and there was like an, an unthinkable number of like floods and hurricanes that devastated all sorts of areas in the in the East. and And that is just like, a thing that we need to we need to figure out this year. I feel like 
it really registered with people that like the climate is like unbelievably fucked up right now and we need to do something about it. 70 degree days in November. I mean, yeah. And like, I also kind of wonder if that too is a little bit like, okay, people had their asses sat down at home. They had less to do. They had less to think about. And so, you know, maybe this was also a contributing factor for them being more aware of that. Like, this is not, this is not good and this is not normal and we, we can't continue to like live like this. <laughs> I mean, we're definitely in a convergence moment in 2020. I think 2020 being a record scratch a year, everything is halted. And before the music plays, the opportunity is for us to figure something out. Is there. Yeah, it has to be a catalyst year. And I've heard so many people talking about like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. Like, let's put it behind us. And I'm like, nothing's really going to change. Like, we're still going to have all these problems. Like, it's not like (laughs) any of these issues, like Black Lives Matter or the environment or the importance of democracy. Like, the list goes on and on here. Um, These things are not going away in 2021. In fact, now we actually have to, like, do something and make some change. And that's like, I think the next big record scratch was just everything around the election. But I mean, for the first time in U.S. history, we have a president who still has not conceded the election when it's clear as day who won. Mm-hmm. This isn't a short term threat. And I think he thinks he's going to run again. Oh, I know. I know he's going to run again. <laughs> like, there's no doubt in my mind that he is not going to spend the next four years still being the center of the Republican party that the media is not going to still cover his crazy ass antics and that there won't be people like him waiting in the wings, not just in America, but everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. We had an American president literally let people die. And there are millions of people who watched that happen and still voted for this person again. And the rest of the world watched that happen. And it's going to be difficult for America to unwind from that now with their approach to foreign policy in the sense that they've taken this opinion in the past that they should model what democracy looks like, model what leadership looks like. And that's why they get involved in other countries' business. <laughs> Put that topic aside, whatever you think about it. <laughs> but mm, that's um, a whole that's, that's season two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like a whole, I'm not even gonna open up that can of worms right now. But that is how America has behaved for the last uh, I don't know, hundred years or whatever. Um, and the way that they have gone about that is by by saying that like we know how to we know how to do this thing. We know how to model democracy and leadership and capitalism. And it's really hard to to stand by that now when this has happened because it's, it's the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what model leadership looks like. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see what happens next, but I think the, the rest of the world really lost some respect. Absolutely. So lots of record scratches this year. We definitely couldn't get through all of them. If you guys have some record scratch moments, please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know. But we cannot leave our final episode of the season without talking about one of the things that brought Han and I together to do this pod in the first place, which is culture. 
we're going to talk about. Because there was also so much cult, great culture in 2020. And we're not going to be able to cover it all. But to quickly spin through it, like, okay, we started off the year with, like, Tiger King vibes. Fuck. And oh then my God. the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, it was, like, Clubhouse popped up. House party is a whole thing. House party, which had been dormant like forever. Nobody was checking for house party. And I definitely know the month of March, I literally spoke to people that I had not spoken to for at least 10 years because they were on house party. Like it was just like connecting with old college friends, doing all because we were like WTF. I definitely rekindled way more friendships in the pandemic because of things like house party and even like icebreaker And Clubhouse was also its own moment. I mean, outside of it being another social app, it becoming sort of this cult thing in the beginning and everybody needing an invite and not knowing what audio only was even going to do. And and now everybody... How would it be? Yeah, now. And everybody and their dog is in it now. Yeah, I don't want to be in it anymore. But that's a whole other (laughs) thing. I'm, I'm like that. And like a lot of virtual spaces, like... Twitch became so much more mainstream this year. Discord became so much more mainstream. I mean, we really shifted to be like, and of course, oh my God, I can't forget the big one, Zoom. Oh my God, Zoom (laughs) became the most popular place on the internet. I know, we have become such an online group in this. Like, it was all going to happen inevitably, but like, this was the year that like a lot of culture just had to move online and it it dragged all these people kicking and screaming with it whether they liked it or not and now here we all are on we're all on zoom we are we're living our, <laughs> I've, I've literally dj'd a party for 300 people on zoom in the rona like that happened mm-hmm. several times i had a family meeting yesterday on zoom <laughs> we did an easter on zoom we had church on zoom i mean Grandmas are using Zoom. Like my grandma Mm -hmm. has Zoom on her phone. So even this idea that like technology is this like only for the younger generation sort of like everyone had to embrace technology to feel alive. Yeah. And one of the things that was the most live during COVID was versus. Insane. Yes. And I mean, pre now it's produced and, like and versus now is not as exciting as it was when you had um, Teddy Riley, Teddy Riley who doesn't know how to use Instagram, and then you had Erica Badu and Jill Scott, and like people were literally at their homes doing performances. It was one of those like it almost reminded me of when reality TV first came and celebrities were on there because there was just like a tangible nature of like we're all in this, we're all kind of crazy, we're all kind of like just. Versus was brilliant. And shout out to like Timbaland and Swizzbees for that because Versus was one of the best things to happen on the internet during this time. And just Instagram Live, period, was incredible. And then there was also, what's his name? DJ D-Nice. His whole club nights that he was doing on Instagram Live and playing for hours and people were literally like making appointments. Like, no, I got to be on Instagram Live at nine o'clock for this moment. Like, that was an incredible human ingenuity-ass moment. 
And of course, we can't also forget in the world of like entertaining technology culture, like TikTok was already having a moment before 2020. But like 2020 was the year that like older people got on TikTok. (laughs) Fact. Like there's 30 year olds all up on TikTok now. And there were so many like, I think like the dance moves and the challenges, like Thinking through 2020, like, it also takes me back to the, the Missy Elliott, like, cool off dance challenge. Oh, and like, All the dance challenges. Like, or even <laughs> back to the Zoom conversation, like, you know what everybody's house looks like. Yeah. Like, that's just a different. You know how well behaved their dog are. You know what their kids are like. Literally. You know, decor, Literally. You know I've seen people Zooming in the closet, like. It's just been, oh my God, even (laughs) thinking about like being dressed up on the top and like not dressed up on on the the bottom. bottom. That was on the cover of the New Yorker this week. Oh, was it? Uh Oh my God. It was an illustration of exactly that. Oh, I did see this cover. I did see this. Like that is my life so much so that one day I remember I had on these like little cheer shorts, like super short shorts, and I just didn't feel like changing. And I remember getting up to walk away and and my my laptop was open and realizing like my team can probably see my whole ass right now like this is this just happened <laughs> because i forgot like but that was 2020 and in 2020 nobody would flinch because this is the life we're living so that that everybody got a pandemic dog oh my god including me including you Dilla. And like in in music, I mean, there was so much that happened from like that, you know, that Missy Elliott track or like that amazing Donald Glover album. Or of course, we can't forget like the WAP moment that we all, we were, all were so ready for. But also like if you didn't have a boyfriend or a lover or something, what were you doing with that song in 2020 in your quarantined house? <laughs> so there's also the irony of like all this music like WAP that came out that you're supposed to be like at the club and you couldn't because yeah. you couldn't go to, unless totally. you were in And like Megan the Stallion is having a moment, but also things like hyper pop became like a front and center playlist on Spotify. Mm. Like that was a genre that was kind of on a slow burn for a while. At the end of last year, I'd say like, okay, now people knew about a hundred gex, but then this year it was like, that also just exploded into mainstream. Yeah, yeah. In a really cool way. Like there's just really interesting boundary pushing things happening. But then there's also this moment of like returning in. Like Black is King, what Beyonce did is all about like, I mean, she's been on this for a while now, but like that whole moment and like shout out to to, to like, one of my like brilliant moments of COVID that I'm proud of is running out a whole ass rooftop in Bushwick and 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 staging oh, yeah. that Black is King For your Black is King party when you lost your entire mailing list and, and then, then got, got it back. back. Uh, oh God, I <laughs> forgot about that episode. Damn. Oh shame. What a fail. What a form fail. Shame. 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 But it was such a good party in the end. And I remember looking at all those pictures and thinking everything looked so damn cute. I remember one person was like literally crying because that was like, that was July. So for New Yorkers, it was like one of the first events. Yeah, it was like one of the first things, right? When sort of New York came out of lockdown into like, okay, we're going to try to have a bit of a summer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. LA never got their shit together to be able to do that because we can't have nice things over here. So, but like, <laughs> seems kind of like. in parallel to Black is King. One of the ironic culture moments of 2020 is that Africa kind of became the safest place on earth. 
It was like the oh, only yeah. place where... And America became the least safe place on Earth. So much so that you can't even get travel insurance to come here if you're foreign. Isn't that crazy? Nobody wants to insure you. No, they're like... Mm. <laughs> like, that's crazy. It is. It really is. But also, finally, because America's never been that safe to begin with. Also, what else? We've got TV stuff. I mean, Lovecraft was freaking incredible. Like, so happy that that happened. I feel like I haven't watched as much TV during the pandemic as one would imagine, but I also just don't watch TV. So I feel like there's a lot more that probably has happened that like maybe I missed and you've been like selling your company and fundraising. So we're probably a little dull in that department (laughs) with like direct, with direct references. But I did have that moment when I escaped to Florida, I've been escaping in the Rona. I realized I was in Florida for two months. Oh, right. The episode with the chicken shop. Yes! With the racist chicken wings. Yeah, and the Trump flags on the boat. Oh, my God. I forgot we talked about that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, God. The Trump, what do they call it when it's like a, a rack of boats? There's a name for it. When it's like a boat a parade. Rack of boats. It's like a boat parade. It's like a. What, they're like ribs? No. <laughs> like throw them on the barbecue? No, there's what? like. A cotillion? There's a word for like a pavilion, a platillion, a platoon. A pavilion? (laughs) There's a word for when there's like mad boats do a flotilla, I think. A flotilla? I think that's it. I think that's a Is it like when all the boats get together? Yes. You definitely just brought me back to Florida and the realization that somebody on Trump's reelection squad knew their market so well. That like every person in Cape Coral had all of that. Like every everything had a flag. But the reason I was talking about that is because the one time I did watch a lot of TV was when I was in Florida with my friend Carmen and her daughter Jai for those two months because they watched TV. And I got caught up on all the game shows that I hadn't watched. So it was like The Voice. There was this one like songwriter one, like all of these kind of shows, dance ones. And the funniest thing was me getting really into these shows and their production and all the things. And then the moment where they all had to be on Zoom, I was, I felt robbed. Like, I was like, I don't want to see the voice performances on Zoom in somebody's closet. Like, I want them on the stage and like just watching literally in real time, TV had to figure out how to use virtual things and put them on your TV, which was crazy. So many things. I mean, we could probably go on forever, but the show should not. Moving into takeaways, I think there's probably a lot from your moment, but the one I do want to add is that people turned inwards. And I'm raising my hand because I am people. I have never been this introspective in my life. And I feel like that is not going to stop after this moment. And I think the gift of this year is that I re- I truly believe that with all my heart. Like, I think I was kind of, kind of already on that, like even from 2019, but it, if there was any time to go into yourself, 2020 created lots of space and opportunity to do that. So that was like my takeaway for the year. 
But I want to jump into some of the takeaways from this epic ass way you're ending the year. I love the one about introspection. I mean, I really hope that that continues to be a theme because Lord, do we need it going into the next year? We got a lot. We got a lot to do as a human society here. The big takeaways for me, I think, is that the two I talked about earlier, the first one really being optionality and just like always opting in, as you put it, like Mm -hmm. really being continually focused on having as many options, as many paths forward as possible. And even doing it when you kind of don't feel like doing it because you never know what's going to turn into something else. And And not even just with your companies. In life. No, just in in life in general. Like you never know what is going to lead to something else. And the more times that you put yourself out there and say yes to things and accept the invitations and do. And of course, this is so hard to do now with coronavirus, Mm -hmm. but there's still ways, I think, to to opt in and to continually build that optionality. But that's a huge one for me. Mm Because also like, and we talked about this a bit too with your company, like you don't know what's going to work. Like you really don't. Like, oh, sure, we can say that we had some ideas, but like that's all hindsight, 2020. Right. Like nobody knows what's going to work when you're trying to build something. Nobody does. It's all an experiment. <laughs> but what's not going to work is doing nothing. Yes, or doing one thing. That's also not going to work. Like, we should always assume that the first time we try things, it's probably not going to work. It's probably not going to work the second time. It's probably not going to work the third time. It might work the fourth time if you're lucky. It's about repetition and options and continually, like, experimenting to find out what is going to work and being open to a bunch of different paths, too. Like, this certainly wasn't the path that I thought I was going to be on three years ago. But it seemed like a really cool path that opened up. So I investigated it. And like having that level of curiosity to investigate these 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 spaces that you maybe thought you didn't want to go down or you had preconceived notions about whether it's in life or in business, like keeping that open mindset to being willing to try and willing to check it out a bit and see if that could be an option is... Um, I think it's a huge part of eventually getting to some kind of success. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the second big thing is really like, it's going to come down to you. Mm. It's really, it's just like at the end of the day, these things are just going to come down to you, especially if you're the founder of your own company, if you are the person who's, who's, who's holding the flag for everyone else. It was interesting. Like a lot of messages came out of the woodwork from lots of different people when this happened and some were like, Oh, are you happy about this? Are you not? And It made me realize that I think a lot of people think that this is just what happens in tech. Like you start a company and then like, woof, it gets acquired and it's great. And it's like, I don't know, the acquired fairy comes along and like scoops you up and puts you on a magic carpet. The acquired fairy. It's like, (laughs) it doesn't, that's not how it works. (laughs) It's actually like, it's so much, it's so much work that really just comes down to you to drive that forward. And and make those choices and push for what you mm-hmm. want and push for the right things for your team and your people and your product and your community. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it all comes down to you is also literally like probably the mantra for 2021. It's all going to come down to us individually to start making better choices, being more introspective, being more thoughtful about things. Like we can't live in a way where we think someone else is going to do it for us anymore because there is nobody nope. else that's going to come pick up the mess. Nope, not at all. And so you either do it or you 
know that you'll have to sit with yourself in the cleanup on all five of yourself. And you get to choose which one you want to do. That, friends, is the show. We will be back in January. We're going to take a short break for the holiday. And we hope that you have a wonderful break as well. And we will let you know on Twitter and on Instagram at GutRealPod when we are back in a few weeks for season two with more of this and maybe a few new goodies too. Definitely some new goodies. Thanks everyone for being a part of this journey with us. Today I, I actually got really nostalgic and I was listening to our episodes and reading our reviews. Thank you people for writing reviews of our podcast. Oh, thank you so much for writing reviews. It's pretty Please. cool. They really help us out. Like, I was so proud of us. So thank you, Han, for doing this with me. Congratulations thank you, again. Thank you, for being my co-host. This is so thank cool. You. Now we'll see where things get real as we, like the rest of you, continue trying to figure out how to keep on keeping on in 2021. If we don't hear from you or see you, happy new year, happy holidays. And this has been season one of It Just Got Real. Bye.